Psalm chapters 45 and 46. Psalm chapter 45, verse 1. To the overseer on the lilies by sons of Korah. This song is written by the Levites from the family of Korah. The name of the song is On the Lilies, meaning About the Lilies. Jesus is called the Lily of the Valley, so this song will be about him, even though it was written hundreds of years before he came to earth, and it's written to the director of music and instruction, which means this is a song that teaches us something, a song of loves. My heart hath indicted a good thing. I am telling my works to a king. My tongue is the pen of a speedy writer. This is a song about the king, capitalized, which means it really is about Jesus. In the Old Testament, they didn't know what his name was, but they called him the right hand of God, the son of God, or the Messiah, or the son of man. Those were typical words for him because they didn't know what name he would actually have. But then in the New Testament, when he was born, everybody knew his name was Jesus. The writer of the song is saying, I have a great theme to write about, and it is about the king. Two, thou hast been beautified above the sons of men. Grace hath been poured into thy lips. Therefore hath God blessed thee to the age. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ, is blessed forever. To the age means forever. And he has grace on his lips because he has power on his lips. In the Bible, grace means power. It doesn't mean forgiveness. It's mercy that means forgiveness. 3. Gird thy sword upon the thigh, O mighty, thy glory and thy majesty. It's talking about the Lord, but it calls him the King, and it says that he has a sword on his thigh. In the book of Revelation, Jesus has a sword on his thigh. This is an allusion to him as the mighty warrior. For as to thy majesty, prosper, ride. Isn't this interesting? It's also talking about this king not only having a sword but being on a horse. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus has a sword and he's on a horse when he comes back as an instrument of the Lord's wrath. Because of truth and meekness, righteousness, and thy right hand showeth thee fearful things. He's coming back in power and truth and righteousness, but also in meekness. And that's because Jesus lived his life in meekness. He left glory in heaven to come down and live as a man, which is very humble to begin with. But on top of that, he was born in an animal's dwelling. He, during his ministry, he had no money to himself and no place to live. And then he died a very horrific criminal's death. So all of that was extremely meek. Today, there's a lot of famous pastors that have luxury cars, luxury homes, luxury vacations, luxury wardrobes, luxury jewelry. Everything about their life is very materialistic, but they're not kings and they're not meek. 5. Thine arrows are sharp. People fall under thee in the heart of the enemies of the king. In the book of Revelation, there is a sword coming out of Jesus' mouth, and that sword destroys anybody who opposes the Lord. Now this is when he comes back in wrath. When he came the first time, it was in humility to die for our sins. 6. Thy throne, O God, is age-during forever, meaning it will last forever. 
a scepter of uprightness, which is righteousness, the scepter of thy kingdom. The scepter is that stick that a king holds that shows that he has power. 7. Thou hast loved righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee oil of joy above thy companions. Jesus Christ gives us the oil of joy. And it says that the Lord has anointed him. Now the Father anointed the Son. That's why Jesus is also called the Anointed One in the New Testament. 7. Myrrh and aloes, cassia, all thy garments, out of palaces of ivory, stringed instruments have made thee glad. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia are all precious herbs that Jesus' body was anointed in when he was put in the sepulcher after he died. And myrrh is synonymous with bitter suffering, which is what Jesus experienced. And it's one of the gifts that the wise men gave to baby Jesus because he had to die such a bitter death. 9. Daughters of kings are among thy precious ones. A queen hath stood at thy right hand in pure gold of Ophir. This is talking about the wife of the king, but metaphorically, she could either be the church or she could be representative of Israel. Don't be fooled. There is no mother of God. There is no mother of God and there is no queen of heaven. In other words, we aren't supposed to worship female idols, but this reference seems to be talking about the church. 10. Hearken, O daughter, and see, incline thine ear, and forget thy people and thy father's house. The church is female because she is many. The church is female, it's a bride. But when we get saved, we forget where we came from because it doesn't matter anymore. If you were born into poverty or born into a criminal family or born with diseases, whatever you were born into, when you become born again, you now have a new life and a new identity in Jesus Christ, and you're now part of the bride. 11. And the king doth desire thy beauty, because he is thy Lord. Bow thyself to him. He desires our beauty, and our beauty is his righteousness that we are clothed in. That's what makes us beautiful, is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we worship him, and he dresses us in his own righteousness just as a king would dress his bride. 12. And the daughter of Tyre, with a present, the rich of the people do appease thy face. This word appease is a very bad translation. Some Bible translations use the word appeasement when they're talking about us offering gifts to the Lord, but that's a wrong translation because it's a way that you could interpret the word, but you really shouldn't interpret it that way. You should interpret it as seek, asking from the Lord or seeking his favor because it's only demon gods who have to be appeased, meaning they have to be paid off or bribed. That's what appeasement is. A demon god wants the blood of your firstborn child, or they want a libation of liquor to get drunk on. But the Lord doesn't need appeasement because he isn't driven by sensual desires like the demons are. 
Even in Hebrew, some words have alternate meanings, and the Hebrew root could have meant appeasement, or it could have meant petition. And petition is the correct interpretation based on what the rest of scripture says. But a lot of translations wrongly choose appeasement because they don't understand the gospel that's in the rest of scripture. It's calling the bride of the king a daughter of Tyre, meaning she is rich. And we are rich in Christ when we are his bride. 13. All glory is the daughter of the king within, of gold embroidered work is her clothing. It's saying that the queen is made glorious by her king. 14. In diverse colors she is brought to the king, virgins after her, her companions are brought to thee. In the New Testament, virginity symbolizes not practicing false religion. There's a lot of Christians today who consider themselves Christians, but they still practice a little bit of Hinduism here, a little bit of Buddhism there. They still will talk about karma. They'll go to yoga class. They'll do other things that are really false religion. They'll talk about mindfulness, which is Eastern mysticism. So they'll dabble in different religions without even realizing it, without having a pure faith in what the Bible says. They're not really virgins spiritually because they dabble in multiple religions or multiple belief systems. But in the Bible, a spiritual virgin is somebody who only believes what the Bible says. There's a lot of terminologies floating around in the church today that are absolutely not biblical. 15. They are brought with joy and gladness. They come into the palace of the king. This is talking about the queen's ladies-in-waiting coming in with her. 16. Instead of thy fathers are thy sons. Thou dost appoint them for princes in all the earth. It says, instead of your fathers being princes, your sons will be princes, which is really interesting because it sounds like there's a whole new beginning here. And that's very true. In the Christian life, we become part of the bride of Christ. And then, as we share the gospel, we have spiritual children. Those aren't people that we give physical birth to, but those are people who we share the gospel with and who enter into the kingdom. And that seems to be what this verse is talking about, saying the children of the bride, the princes, will be inheriting the kingdom, not the fathers, which would be the origins of the bride when she was born into sin. When we're born, we learn the ways of the world from our parents. But when we become born again, then we learn the ways of the King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we share the gospel and we have spiritual children. 17. I will make mention of thy name in all generations. Therefore do people praise thee to the age and to forever. The singer will praise the name of the Lord forever to all people everywhere. And that is what we do as Christians. We praise the name of the Lord everywhere we go. And that concludes Psalm chapter 45. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. To the overseer, that is the director of music, by sons of Korah. And those are Levites from the family of Korah. For the virgins, 
This is a song for the virgins of the king, the virgins of Israel, who are the next generation, who are going to give birth to new Israelites. And if we read it from a spiritual perspective, it's anybody who practices the true faith and doesn't mingle their beliefs in with modern New Age and other religions, which is what Christians tend to do a lot today, simply because they're unschooled in what the Bible says. They haven't really read the whole Bible for themselves, and they're easily led astray by teachings from false religions, because they don't know the difference between what the Bible says and what their teachers are telling them. A song, God is to us a refuge and strength, a help in adversities found most surely. And that's true. God is always our refuge and our strength. Two, therefore we fear not in the changing of earth and in the slipping of mountains into the heart of the seas. You know, the mountains are constantly moving and the earth is constantly changing. For one thing, all the continents broke up at one point, and they keep drifting further and further apart. And mountains were made, and canyons, during the Great Flood. And ever since the Great Flood, we still are getting more geological changes. But it says, as the seasons change, and as the geology of the earth changes, we will not be afraid. 3. Roar, troubled are its waters, mountains they shake in its pride, Selah. There can be earthquakes, there can be hurricanes and tornadoes, but it will not shake us because we know that the Lord keeps us. And Selah is a musical term. Nobody knows what it means, but it's some sort of musical direction. For a river, its rivulets rejoice the city of God, thy holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. In heaven there is a river that flows out from the palace of God. It comes straight from his throne room, and it flows out of there all throughout heaven, and the river of life circles all of heaven. Originally, when God made the Garden of Eden, he made a river that came out of it, and it branched out into four rivers. The Euphrates and the Tigris were two of those rivers, and those rivers are still on earth today. The other two rivers are kind of disputable. Nobody knows exactly where they are, but they're still on earth too. It's just hard to trace where their original pathways were. Eden was representative of heaven. And in heaven, that river coming out of the throne of God is called the river of life. 5. God is in her midst. She is not moved. God doth help her at the turn of the morn. When it says her, it's talking about the city of God. It has a female persona, because there's many different parts to the city, but God is in her midst. 6. Troubled have been nations, moved have been kingdoms, he hath given forth his voice, earth melteth. God can cause a volcano by his voice to erupt. He can destroy a nation, and we see that happened in the Bible with Egypt and with other nations, and his voice can bring a flood. 7. Jehovah of hosts is with us, a tower for us, the God of Jacob, Selah. Jacob is the original name of Israel, so it's saying that God is the God of Israel. And he is a tower, which means he protects us. 8. Come ye, see the works of Jehovah, who hath done astonishing things in the earth. God has done extremely astonishing things. He created the earth. He caused the flood. He created Eden. He created hell and put it in the center of earth.
He's done so many astonishing things. And all of his creatures, from a butterfly to an elephant, are mind-boggling and impossible to explain. 9. Causing wars to cease unto the end of the earth, the bow he shivereth, and the spear he hath cut asunder, chariots he doth burn with fire. The Lord wins every battle. He can destroy an army of millions in an instant. He can do anything. And there were many armies that he did destroy in the Old Testament. And he sent down a chariot of fire to pick up Elijah and take Elijah to heaven. You can have an arrow leave your bow, but the Lord will shiver it if you shoot it against his will. 10. Desist and know that I am God. I am exalted among nations. I am exalted in the earth. Desist means stop. So stop and know that I am God. Be quiet and know that I am God. Listen and know that I am God. When we're troubled, the best thing we can do is just be still and know that he is God. 11. Jehovah of hosts is with us. A tower for us is the God of Jacob. Selah. The Lord is with us. We don't need to be afraid of anything. He is God. He is in total control. And that concludes Psalm chapter 46.